Buckle up, listeners. I love that, Carl. That's really clever. Is that because there was um, a seatbelt sign noise? Yeah. Well, welcome to... Well, that fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> a podcast with Luke Coulson. And Kyle Wise. And a seatbelt sound. Uh, every week we'll be talking to real guests about their amazing, often traumatic, life-changing experiences and events that have happened to them. Focusing on stories of survival, hope, and overall triumph. Yeah, so really focusing on the good stuff that has come out of some pretty extraordinary things that have happened to people. Yeah. I love that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, we actually have our first sponsor too, which is jolly exciting. And we're now sponsoring... I feel yeah. like now's a great time to use the seatbelt <laughs> sign. And the original Handlebar Jack, which you can find at www.handlebarjack.com. Do you know what that is, Kyle? I don't. Right. So you know when you need to mend your bike, your bicycle, and you turn it upside down because your chain's fallen off, or maybe there you've got a flat tire? Yeah, I was thinking, man, it always messes up with my gears. Yeah, it messes up with your gears. So now there's a little stand, which is perfectly portable and comes in a really nice package. And these two little clips, and they clip onto your handlebars. They're completely universal. And then it turns into a little stand. So when you turn your bike upside down, it literally allows your bike to balance. It's like one of the most cleverest things. And I just want to add that we're not a bicycle podcast. However, we are all about surviving traumatic and life-changing experiences. Have you ever had a flat tire on like a grimy, dusty road? Yeah, it's the worst. The worst. So now our tenuous sponsorship link is complete. If you do go online at www.handlebarjack.com and you type in the code WTFMU, which is actually the acronym for our podcast, which we had to write down because it really confused <laughs> the fuck out of us, <laughs> then some of the proceeds will be going to foodonfoot.org. That's foodonfoot.org. And those guys are helping out the unhoused and the low-income neighbors in your neighborhood. So our friends at Handlebar Jack will actually donate um, some of the proceeds to that amazing organization. So, I mean, it's a win-win, people. Incredible. Welcome to another episode of Well, That Fucked Me Up with uh, myself, Luke Colson, and uh, Kyle Wise. And today we're joined by Justin. Hey, Justin. Um, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's really great to meet you. Uh, you and I haven't really spoken before jumping straight into it. Um, as you know, the the themes that we like to cover, uh, obviously the tongue-in-cheek uh, title of the podcast doesn't de- uh, detract away from the fact we cover some quite kind of serious topics, people that have had some serious shit happen to them, people that have been through some stuff, people that have had kind of life-changing events or experiences happen to them. Sometimes it's a one-off situation. We've had people that have been in accidents or had diagnoses. We've also had people that have had much more a steady flow of total kind of could be depression. It could be sinking into the depths of darkness or addiction. Where where do you fit into all of this, Justin? (laughs) Well, man, my life has been quite the journey from being diagnosed with clinical depression social and adrenal anxiety, uh, ADHD. Um, I've suffered seven concussions, um, gone through post-concussion syndrome. Uh, you know, I actually uh, was suicidal for six straight years. 
where I actually hospitalized myself in January, on January 4th, 2019, because I actually had a plan and that plan was to end it. Um, I actually lost a best friend to addiction. Um, I watched my stepdad pass away in front of me while I was giving him CPR. Um, I always wanted to be somebody else growing up. You know, I was in childhood. I got cut from a, a rep team with all my friends on it for hockey. I really, I always had to watch them come and I should have been on the team and everyone thought so it's uh it was something hard to get over because i had to watch everybody come Mm. to school with their jerseys on and that really crushed me and i honestly didn't let that go until i went to rehab a couple years ago and i finally accepted it and wow i've been in rehab um i've been an addict i've been an alcoholic um i became an organ donor uh so i could prepare my body to die i mean oh I don't know. Well, firstly, I'm just taking in all that information. I've got goosebumps all over me. I just went through emotions of <coughs> familiarity, shock, sadness, um, empathy, sympathy. Uh, and it's amazing that you just told that whole circle and then immediately went all the way back to your childhood and that rejection. And isn't that an extraordinary and horrendous feeling? And I think at the time you feel awful and rejected or abandoned or whatever. But do, did you at any point realize that that was going to carry itself with you for so long? And how did you, at what point did you realize that this was some of the root kind of that, t- that tiny little thing was possibly the root cause of some of this trauma you were going through? Well, you know what? I didn't get diagnosed with all those things until I was about 28 years old. I'm 36 now. Yes. Um, but looking back, yes, it was a 16-year battle of addiction. I always wanted to be somebody else. Right. Growing up, I was smaller, but it's, I acted out. I was trying to be the funny guy. I always wanted people to – I did whatever I could for people to like me. And I, I, did, I always wanted to be somebody else. I compared myself my whole entire life to other people, and I never wanted to be me. So when I got out of high school – like I didn't drink. I didn't really party. I maybe a handful of times in high school, like I got good grades. Um, but when I got out, uh, for the, when I started drinking, uh, it, right off the bat, it gave me that false confidence that is very dangerous for some people. Yeah. For especially. And I didn't realize, but I have an addictive personality <laughs> and I went from zero to a hundred really quick. Yeah. So I was like, Holy cow. I, I just found this, this drug, this substance that, if I'm feeling down, I'm going to have that. Mm. What is it going to do? Well, it's going to make me funnier. It's going to give me confidence. <laughs> so I actually, so I started having this algorithm. I'm going to have this many drinks before I go out. Mm. This many drinks when I'm at the bar so I can dance with this girl. And that escalated to, I'm going to have this many drinks just to leave my house, just yeah. to go to a friend's house. I'm going to have this many drinks just so I can play hockey. Wow. So I started to rely on the alcohol. Wow. And so I started to lose my, the sober, sober Justin, the sober Justin, you know, it didn't have any value for people. He didn't bring anything to the table. And then at 24, uh, I tried cocaine for the first time. And cause I was always against drugs. I didn't judge people that did drugs. Um, but my friend looked at me and I didn't remember the night, but he, this, he, this is what he told me. And this is what ruined me. He said, man, you were funny last night. Oh, yeah. So as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, hey, ding, ding. I yeah. can have alcohol. 
and now I have drugs. Uh, I mix them together, I'm unstoppable. So then at 24, I'm a full-blown alcoholic. Uh, I remember I'm walking, I was bartending in Vancouver, and I'm walking across the bridge, and I look up, and I'm like, man, I'm an alcoholic. I'm like, nah, I'm too smart to be an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I started correlating, this is 12 years ago, I was correlating being an alcoholic, being a lowlife, being a, like homeless. And yeah. People that don't, don't have their stuff together. Like, I was yeah. at work, bills, I can't be an alcoholic. Yeah. It shows me what I actually knew about alcoholism. Yeah. But not even maybe, or no, actually maybe this was a little bit after this. I was still 24. I think I came back home to seminar and I had a, f- a conversation with a friend where we're talking about depression. And I looked at him and I'm like, man, depression's an excuse. Now, I don't know why I said that. I didn't understand depression. Mm. I don't know if I, yeah, I kind of looked up to this guy. Mm. Uh, so I was trying to be tough maybe. But I told him this depression is an excuse. It's for the week. You got to go to work. You got to pay your bills. You got to do your job. You got to man up. And then I started living by that man up stigma. And so at 24 years old, I'm thinking alcoholism's for um, the bad low lifes. And I'm thinking depression's for the week. And I don't want to be any of those. I don't want to correlate myself with that, those kind of people. I'm nothing like that. However, that's exactly who I was. I was depressed. I was an alcoholic what, and I was becoming a drug addict. What? Um, so a couple of things. You started drinking in the first instance because you just didn't have the confidence in who you were. Is, is that is that right? And you suddenly saw this as this kind of a gateway to a different you. It gave you some confidence, right? 100%. That's really interesting. And then tell me about the point when your realization that not only were you, or your acceptance that not only were you alcoholic and heading towards being a drug addict, but where was the realization about the depression? And I completely get what you're saying as well. People who don't understand, or I always say people can't be expected to understand mental illness. And I know plenty of people that say, you're not depressed, you're lazy. You're not, you're not anxious. You're just pessimistic. You're, you, if you're suicidal, then you're, you're selfish because you, you know, Seeking right. So, Talk to me about some of the, the at, at the at that point that that you just left off there, where you were realizing you were cruising into that that realm. Well, well, for one, um, I used to be that guy that thought, you know what, suicide was selfish, mm. and I remember telling my friend that, like, don't worry, because his dad committed suicide, and I'm thinking I'm cheering him up, and I'm like, don't worry, that's selfish. Don't like, and I just didn't have an understanding on it. And now that you go through it, like you said, you can't make people understand. Yeah. And I actually tried to make people understand, but it wasn't it's not my job to explain it to people, to people that are, that don't understand it. And it's not fair to them to try and understand it, right? To because you don't want them to feel like you did. Yeah. So I moved away from Vancouver and I started moving around, bouncing around from town to town. I was almost like a gypsy bartending, but I was losing my jobs because I'm drinking. Finally, I go home and I finally go and seek help. Okay, something's I seek help for just the alcohol. I mean, I still don't even know what depression really is, right? Eight years ago, and so I've seen this addiction counselor. So maybe you're depressed. So I started seeing a psychiatrist and psychologist. I go on meds, but I don't want, I was in that mindset, I don't want to be a pill popper. So, like, I'm putting in drugs and alcohol in my body, but I don't want to take a med. <laughs> yes, that's funny. Like, yeah. like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah no, like, that, that's not me. That's funny. Um, so I'm starting to get help, but I just, I can't, like you said, acceptance. 
acceptance is huge. So I couldn't accept the fact that I was, that I needed help. I couldn't accept the fact that I was an alcoholic. So I get a job in the mill. I moved back in with my parents and, uh, everything's going good, but I can't keep the drinking down. Then it gets bad and it gets worse. And I start missing shifts. Finally, I ask to take a leave of absence because I start to become suicidal. So I take a leave of absence from work. I'm getting help, but I'm still, still sad. I'm still depressed. I'm still thinking of ways on how I can end it. Are you drinking every day at this stage? You're drinking through the day? I wasn't drinking. I was, when I lived in Vancouver, I was drinking every single day. Yeah. Every, um, bottles Oof. of vodka. And Oof. I'd usually, maybe I'd have three Pellegrino soda waters mm. to a whole bottle of alcohol. Oof. Yeah. And then I just go and do it over again. Cause I'm living in the life of a bartender, man. Like you go, you make your cash, you go spend the cash, you go back to work. You're going to have that cash in your pocket again. Alcoholic bartender. Classic. Yeah. Weird. How's that happen? Eh? <laughs> yeah. So you, um, you're missing shifts. You're feeling yes. suicidal at that point. You've kind of been told you are depressed or you have depression. Yeah. So then I started to actually look into research depression and I'm like, Holy, you know, when you have those times, you just want to know why you are the way you are. So when they told me, Hey, you got depression. It was like, okay, sweet. Like, I know it's something you don't want to be proud of or carry around, but to, to know there's a reason mm. why you are the way you are. But I wasn't helping my depression with drugs and alcohol. I was amplifying it. I was making it worse. So I decided I crashed a vehicle and I decided, okay, um, you got to go to rehab because my girlfriend, uh, we broke up with, we actually, you know, we got back together on my birthday and three months later she phones me, she's pregnant. So we get back together and I get in this car accident and I have a kid on the way in about three months. So I'm like, okay, I got to go to rehab. I got to be, I got to be the man for this little man. Yeah. I go to rehab, but I went with the wrong mindset. I crashed the car. I wanted to get out of town. So I went there, I worked out, I ate, um, I mean, I went to class and stuff and it's, it's counseling. I was in a, a home with 60 different men who feel guilty, feel shameful or depressed, anxiety, have all sorts of mental illnesses. And you know, they could have been abused just out of jail. And it's a lot of testosterone in the room. It was very hard, but I mean, you made some good friendships, but it was, it was pretty difficult to be there. A lot of people were angry. Yeah. With the wrong mindset. I, I went and ate and gained weight and was, would work out twice a day. And as soon as I got out, my uncle picked me up and said, this is what I told him. I'm like, I'm not quitting. I'm not done drinking. I'm just done for a while. Interesting. Like uh, right out of rehab. And <laughs> so I get out, I come home and we have our son. And that was the scariest thing in my life because I didn't want him. Mm. Because it's not that I didn't want a kid. It's just I didn't want someone that would grow up with a guy like me oh my gosh or take after me and after three months of him being alive i went back down that dark hole again and she ended up leaving me because i wasn't i wasn't a safe environment i wasn't abusive but i just i was a mess yeah and she left and i started to get go down deeper and to where work I wasn't uh I was lucky I never heard anybody at work so I worked at a plywood plant and mm. around equipment and mm. my mindset was it just wasn't there mm. I would forget people's names I'd be wondering all day am I gonna make it why can't I be like him why am I so weird wow. why can't I just be normal and then I started thinking I mean one time I had my son and he was two years old 
and I couldn't keep my thoughts together. My mind's just racing. I'm thinking, you're a loser. You're pathetic. You're feeling angry, guilt, and shameful, depressed. And I put him down in front of the TV. I turned a movie on, gave him that stuff, just so I could distract him away from me. Yeah. And once I did that, I walked behind him, and I started staring at the back of his head, and I just started crying. And I started thinking, am I going to make it to teach him how to ride a bike? Oh. Am I going to see him score his first goal? Am I going to see him graduate? Am I going to see him get married? Like, am I going to make it? Oh. And you'd think I'd be able to just turn it on for that little kid. Hey, that's your boy. You need to do it for him. But I couldn't. And I'll tell you why. It is because there was one time I drank too much. And it was the third time I ended up in the hospital with IVs in me because I couldn't keep water down. My hands were going numb. And he came in. His mother brought him, my ex at the time. And he looked at me, looked at his mom, looked at me, looked at his mom, and said, Mommy, what's wrong with Daddy? Mm. And you know what that, you think that was switched. But I, I was in that, that, awful, awful mindset where I said, you know what, what if I just end it? He could grow up with that dad that would be healthy, happy, could teach him the way of life, mm. would, wouldn't miss times because he's drunk, yeah. wouldn't miss hung over. It's just a dad that he could count on. And so I started, that's when I became, um, that's when I became really suicidal. And I got to that mindset, maybe he's just better off without me. Mm can attest to people but that's I know it's a weird way of thinking but it's just when you see no hope or yeah. you're actually I thought I was looking at the better outcome for him so that way my pain ends and he's two years old mm. and I'm like you know my family's gonna get over it they'll understand mm. my pain's done he won't remember me and then he can have a life yeah I was very lucky though and I started listening to motivational speaking. Right. And uh, there's four guys that I had no idea who they were. Now, these are four big name motivational speakers in yeah. the world. Yeah. I had no idea who I'm listening to. Right. right. I just put it on. I'm trying to, trying to find something, find some hope. But they all started talking about the power of why. Right. So I started asking myself, well, Justin, what is your why? Well, what was my why, though? You know what? What if it's that little boy? So I started to think, well, what if I got better for him? Because, you know, I know a lot of people, they say, you got to do it for yourself. You got to do it for yourself. I know tons of people, you know, they couldn't, tons of addicts, they couldn't do it for themselves. So what did you do? Well, you find something to do it for. Yeah. Now, I, I started looking at, okay, what if I did that for him? What if I got better for him? I knew my capabilities. I knew my possibilities. I know I'm a good guy. What if I just did it for him? So if I did it for him, I did it for me. Yeah. If I could do it for me, I can help other people. Yeah. So with that intact, I decided to go back to rehab. Um, and when I went back there, I went with a different mindset. I went with the power of why. I went with my why, who my anchor, my son. But I also went there and said, you know what? Instead of quitting alcohol, why do you drink? Hmm. Okay. Well, why do I drink? Well, I'm depressed. Well, why are you depressed? Well, I have a low self-confidence, low self-worth, low self-esteem. So why do you do that? Well, you know what? Because I didn't know how to figure that stuff out. Yeah. I did not know how to cope with it. Yeah. So what can I do? So now you got to figure out the how because the why is the belief, the how is the action. So what is the how? Well, 
Gotta go to rehab. Gotta go to my classes. And in rehab, we went over guilt, shame, anger, mindfulness, gratitude, vulnerability. We listened to Brene Brown. And that one was really hard because you go over a week. uh, And this one was 25 people in a house, a small house. Hmm. You go over a week of anger. And that week was extremely hard. People are yelling at each other. Um, No fights. Mm. But it's, you want to quit, but you know you shouldn't. Wow. And I went with why, and then I figured out the how. And then when you get out, you know, you you do your gratitude. But you got to buy into the system. Yeah. There's so many healthy coping mechanisms out there. It's exercise diet what you feed yourself is your body your brain takes up 20 percent of the nutrients in your body yeah the glucose whatever glucose you put in your body it wow. takes that yeah you are you essentially are what you eat so there was a huge difference between when you came out of your first stint in rehab where you just came straight out and were like right i'm i'm gonna hit the drink again and the difference was your your son, but also realizing that you could use him as the catalyst to start to give yourself some value and yourself a reason to, to live. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, so I, I'm going to go back to the acceptance part. So three months after, uh, I did go down that rabbit hole again. Mm. What I tell people, this is what I believe, is that you don't, you don't, you don't choose to be an addict. No, of course. But I agree with I, that choose to stay in addiction mm-hmm. the hardest part of addiction isn't quitting but living in sobriety mm-hmm. so the hardest part for me i quit for one two three months uh but it was, it was i didn't know how to live sober because mm-hmm. i used alcohol from 19 to 34 mm-hmm. for everything for mm-hmm. hockey for conversations for dating mm-hmm. for for life mm-hmm. so i didn't know how to live sober and, and it all comes down to uh what i call my three a's was is admit, accept, ask for help. So you got to make sure you really accept it. Mm. So I went back down the rabbit hole and then I um, hospitalized myself on January 4th, 2019 and finally admitted out loud that uh, I had a plan and that plan was to end it. Wow. Um, but I said it from my mom, my dad and the counselor and it felt, it took the weight off. But when you, what you got to realize is that uh, you have to, you have to, have to, have to accept it. Yes. So when I felt better, I'd go off my meds. When I felt better, uh, I saw When I felt, when I was three months sober, I felt like I'd have one. I'd go and have it and then I'd go down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So I had to admit, accept, ask, and then accept again. Right. And then, hey, you got to keep going. Yes. Yeah. You can't have one. Right. Well, I don't like to say I can't. I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, addiction is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because no matter <clears throat> how many times you've seen the negativity that comes from your actions, you would think that that would be enough of a lesson. But as through witnessing a thousand and one different experiences that's just never the case you know it's it's an impossible thing whether it's alcohol or addiction um it takes a gigantic mental shift and a huge effort to get yeah. over um to, to 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 keep it going long term you know 
Well, you know what? I've been to over 100 doctor's appointments. I've spent 77 days in rehab. I've gone to 45 addiction appointments. Um, 10 psychologists. 10 psychologists. I've had eight different kind of medications. I'm not on meds right now. Um, however, it did help me. If I feel like I need to go back on medications, I will. Yeah. It helped me get through my dark times. Like I was clinically depressed and I was on a bipolar med and it really calmed me down. It worked. Yeah. Um, and if I feel like I'm slipping, I'll go back. But I've also listened to thousands of hours of audibles, um, motivational speaking, uh, podcasts, listening to guys like me who struggle like me um, on how they got over their humps. Yeah. Listening to manly men talk about their vulnerabilities is that's like, that's what I like to tell people. Find some podcasts, find someone who represents you in them and see what they did. Yeah. Um, the hardest thing is asking for help sometimes, right? The hardest thing is being vulnerable. The hardest yeah. thing is I, I, I was, uh, and I've mentioned this in a few previous episodes, I was the ringleader of fun and everyone, no, no one ever asked if I was okay. Why would they need to? I was having a great time. Nope, I was not. I was having an internal nightmare, mm-hmm. always. But would I let anyone in? No. So I would never let anyone see the real me. And so I suffered, you know, suffered, 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 suffered. And then eventually it all comes to a head. That's why I, I took from, that was an interesting thing you said about what happened to you as a kid getting cut from the, cut from the team and how it's extraordinary that when you're a kid, but that can stay with you for so long. And the, and the other thing that obviously was just mind-blowingly, Shocking was um, talking about you were considering or signing up to give your your organs away because you didn't. I think you you might have even mentioned this in a previous conversation we had because you didn't you didn't think they were any use for you, you know. <laughs> yeah. So September, the day after my dad's birthday, I signed up. I am an organ donor. Um, I got milk thistle from my liver, kidney flush, and I was preparing my body to go. Because I really figured that people deserved it more than I did. Wow. I mean, the fact that you were like taking care of your organs so that you can donate them in, in a good manner is extraordinary. But you thought that, how did that make you feel? Sorry, this might be getting a bit deep, but how did that make you feel knowing that you were now beginning to make plans to end your life? I didn't realize it at the time. Um, to be honest, it's, it's becoming more real for me now. I actually had a conversation with a friend. At that time, I was living in fantasy. Nothing seemed real. Like, mm. You know, it, you'd be driving down the highway just thinking, well, how can I do it? What can I do? I remember one time I, I had my son and I had to take him back to his mother. So I'm happy and then I'm like, a little bit sad. And then I'm driving by all these on the way home, I'm driving down that same stretch, uh, same stretch of road where I told my buddy that depression was an excuse. I'm driving down that same stretch and I'm looking at all the houses and I'm thinking, man, all these guys have it together. They're probably, they probably don't have their lives all together, but Hey, look at, they're going to work. See, at that time I was living in my mom's basement suite and I was asked to just take a break from work. And then I started to get depressed mm. I drop them off. I get to the gym, write a suicide letter in my head. Then I get home and, uh, I'm flipping through Netflix and the secret comes on the ask, believe, receiver, or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I watch the movie, I get a little bit of hope, inspiration. I can become happy again. And then I hear a noise outside and I instantly become angry. Oh, wow. So at that point in my life, 
mental health was taking complete control of my mind. Wow. Not in that four hours, I went from happy to sad to depressed to suicidal to happy to angry. Oh my gosh. I couldn't keep my emotions in check. Yeah. Was, was taking a toll on me and like everything it's just it seemed like a blur and I just looked up the other day probably two weeks ago the day I wanted to know what day I actually went and signed up and I found out it was the day after my dad's birthday right uh, in January September 20th 2019 or 2018 or something I was just like yeah it's just wow well it seems like you've come an extremely long way um if our listeners wanted to hear more from you or get in touch, or you mentioned kind of speaking and motivational stuff and, you know, podcasts, we put links um, in the copy when we publish each of these episodes. But um, it sounds like you're getting your message out there to other to others and especially to other dudes, right? Because I think we're manly men, you said. We're not, we're not very good. Uh, I, I, I've got really good at it and I, I'm quite into it now. I'm quite into being very open and very vulnerable with all my guy friends and it is a wonderful feeling one time i had a friend that i graduated with she came to me at the gym she's like you should be a personal trainer and i'm like well i'm going to school to be a life coach and motivational speaker and she's like oh how come and i told her my story and she's like huh she looked at me and she's like i graduated with you and i would have had no idea you felt this way yeah that was your life yeah as we can wear these masks yeah and nobody knows. Yeah. It, it, and I, that, I think that we, I think we both agree because we, we know it's asked, asking for help is, is the biggest step, isn't it? It's sometimes it's just putting your hand up and saying, I, you got to help me. I, I can't do this anymore. You know, I just, I tapped out, you know, and I was like, I, this is, this is it for me. Something's got to change. I can't go on like this, you know? And it was, at that point when I started to just talk to people and listen, listen to people as well. And then I found a whole, a whole kind of social group of people that weren't afraid to, to just say, say how they felt and offer and give advice to one another. I hadn't lived like that. I hadn't lived like that for 20 years. I just lived with kind of fun and partying and everything's fine, you know? Yeah, well, you know what? People don't realize that asking for help is actually a sign of strength and not weakness. Being able to speak your truth, be vulnerable, be authentic. Now, that's that's courage. Yeah. Well, Justin, it's been amazing talking to you. Uh, it's a great pleasure to meet you, and uh, I've loved every minute of it. Uh, if there's any message or uh, parting words you'd like to to say I feel like you've covered a lot it's been very inspirational but to the the person who is suffering in silence you know what what do you have to say to them find your why find something to do it for because you are somebody somebody it's just it's that simple we need you there's only one you you are unique here for a reason so shine your light and if you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel you just keep walking wow well, there endeth the message. Thank you so much, Justin. It's been really great. And uh, I look forward to putting this episode live. And um, we should stay in touch. Uh, we like to have our guests guests back and check-ins. And thank you very much for coming on. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. <laughs>